Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well guys, uh, we are tonight talking about the Wisconsin Badgers, a team that everyone seems to think is going to walk away with the West. Um, a team that, you know, basically was anointed the, the champions last year, you know, before a game had even played the chosen one playing quarterback for them. Um, they went four and three last year. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing cause I'm not sure that you're going to hear a uh, dissenting opinion from John or I. Tonight. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like, it's, it's, let's put it this way. Like, let's all be happy that last season went the way it, it did. <laughs> So, defensively, John, um, I know you know off air we've been uh, discussing this, and I, I think there's one team that you've been uh, really nervous about. De- you say defensively, John. When you look up defensively in the dictionary, I think you get a picture of this team. <laughs> um, it it's hard to remember a year when the stars were not more aligned for one defense to be more heads and tails above every other defense in the conference than this year. Um, So, I mean, again, four and three, we all know Wisconsin had that rough season last year, but none of that had anything to do with the defense. The Badgers may have played a really messy, shortened schedule last year, but that schedule, at least on the defensive side of the ball, was more than enough time to confirm that the Badgers had not lost the plot and were achieving all of their needs in terms of development. So, Scuzz is going to talk about issues, at least last year, on the offensive side of the ball. But Wisconsin still fielded the number one total defense and the number three scoring defense in the conference. And those numbers basically represent the basement of expectations for them in 2021. So, I mean, where to even start? Uh, How about this? The Badgers need to find a defensive end and a safety. That's it. This team is arguably better than any other team in the conference at finding new guys to fill old spots, and they basically have to fill two of them. And oh yeah, the fact that things kind of went to crap for Wisconsin last year only made it more likely that Jim Leonard, who remains the most overqualified defensive coordinator in the country outside of Brent Venables, is still on the job. Up front is probably the only area that even remotely verges on concern for the Badgers, so they lose two guys off of that three-man front. Massive ends, Isaiah Loudermilk and Garrett Rand. So Bucky groomed those guys to do exactly what they're supposed to do, which is basically be enormous and strong, so that the linebackers can go to work. But guess what? Wisconsin still returns Keanu Benton, an absolute mountain of a nose tackle, to anchor the middle. And I don't think it's exactly going to shock you when I say that Wisconsin has a lot of guys waiting to fill the other two spots. One is most likely going to be Isaac Townsend, a transfer from Oregon, who still has three years of eligibility, is listed anywhere between 6'5 and 6'7, depending on where you look, and is probably going to end up close to three bills once he gets enough of that sweet Wisconsin Havarti in him. 
So basically, the questions Wisconsin has to answer defensively amount to finding one other fat guy in Wisconsin. Wisconsin's only other defensive hiccup last year came when corner Rashad Wild Goose got hurt. But that problem only makes the Badgers' secondary better today because Fayon Hicks and Caesar Williams both played a ton last year. They're both excellent all-conference caliber guys and are both seniors. At safety, Bucky has Scott Nelson, who's a classic Jim Leonard Swiss Army Knife type guy who had two picks, two pass breakups, four tackles for loss, and a sack last year in the short season. The Badgers do lose safety Eric Burrell, who's currently with the New Orleans Saints, but that ain't going to matter. Because in front of the safeties may be the best linebacker core in the nation. There's no way it's worse than the top three in the nation. This group is is going to be flipping terrifying. I would submit that there's no position group across the conference on either side of the ball where one school is as far ahead of everyone else as the Badgers are here. So heading into last season, the Badgers had two knowns and two unknowns in this four-man group. The knowns were Jack Sanborn, who is an early 2021 favorite alongside Brandon Joseph for best defensive player in the Big Ten, and Noah Burks. The Badgers were looking at having to fill one other spot, both inside and outside. Going into last season, we were extremely confident that Wisconsin would find studs here because that's what they do. Wisconsin did not disappoint. Hello, Leo Chanel and Nick Herbig. If Wisconsin had played a full season last year, those two guys probably would have combined or exceeded 25 tackles for loss, and those two might be the lesser pair of linebackers in this core. These are four absolute predators, led by Sanborn. And if you give Leonard a chance to unleash all of the dozens of stunts and blitz packages that he has for passing situations, you're just done. Now, with that said, we all know that Northwestern has given as good as we've gotten against the Badgers recently. The main thing with this group is that you have to grind yards on the ground. It ain't going to be easy. It ain't going to produce a ton of results, but it can work just enough. We've seen that happen. What you can't do is try to get pretty throwing against this team because there are Eight guys back there who will be fantastic at taking the ball away from you. But a rugged, valiant day from the Trench Cats and Cam here, um, combined with, again, Scuzz will get into it, you know, whatever we would hope. Wisconsin is unable to figure out on the other side of the ball. And you've got a recipe for the exact kind of Northwestern over Wisconsin victory um, that we all know so well. But make no mistake. This is the best defense in the Big Ten. In a year where just about every other unit in the conference, Northwestern possibly accepted, has warts somewhere on this side of the ball, Wisconsin has none. They are loaded for bear, and the rest of the conference had just better be ready for it. Well, I, I don't love to hear that. <laughs> um, <laughs> nope. Uh, <laughs> 
So this goes offensively last year. Graham Mertz had an amazing game against Illinois, got COVID, and kind of was pedestrian the rest of the way. But uh, is a healthy Graham Mertz enough to give us a fully armed and operational offensive battle station for the Badgers? Well, unfortunately, it's not just Mertz you got to worry about this year. Um, They have a lot coming back. You know, last year, you know, commentary about like what actually happened during the season aside, we all thought this team was loaded for bear last season. And the and, and Bucky was a clear and present offensive threat, right? It wasn't just the defense. But we did raise two potential issues in our preview. One, no multi-year starters on the O-line. And, you know, some potential to fall on that, off in that area. And then the looming quarterback controversy between uh, Cohn and Mertz. Now, Cohn got injured in camp, I believe. And so Mertz was given the reins. It was not controversial when, when it happened. But to your point, Sammy, he definitely had some ups and downs. Um, the offensive line was another story. This was unquestionably the worst offensive line performance at Wisconsin since 2016 and arguably the worst performance in the last eight years for which football outsiders have calculated advanced O-line metrics. It was also the worst rushing output since 2015, both per game and per carry. And I think this situation at at what is usually Wisconsin's chief strength O-line, I think it neutered their typical strategy of bludgeon you and, and go play action. And, with the exception of, of the O-line, uh, we'll get to that in a minute, most of the offense is back. The running back room is really talented. Uh, Jalen Berger probably has the first crack at the lead role, but he was just all right in three games last year. He never eclipsed 100 yards. He only had one TD. Interestingly, he seemed to be on a pitch count. He got exactly 15 carries in specifically four games and almost never carried the ball on third down. Like, like I went back and looked against Northwestern and Indiana and kind of like the two big games he played against good defenses. One third down carry in both games. Uh, now, he certainly had a high per carry average in Big Ten games. I mean, he gashed Northwestern uh, in, in the game against us. And that, and that captured a lot of attention for him, which is, I think, why so many people are excited about him coming back this year. But what's interesting, you know, most of his runs against Northwestern were on first down. That's true against that in that Indiana game as well. And when you when you look through... The, the play-by-play, you can see that as the game went on, the Cats' defense and Indiana's as well got better and better at diagnosing and shutting him down. And maybe it's because he was running out of steam as a freshman. Like maybe this year that the you know he comes back stronger and, and has more stamina in games, can carry closer to 20, 25 as, uh, carries as opposed to 15. But it also seems like maybe their offense got a little predictable. Um, they also switched running backs a ton in those games. I mean, you'd, you'd see Berger, Berger carried on first and second down, uh, you know, Grosha come in for a third down, but then the next first down would be Nikia Watson, like a totally different running back. There was no rhythm to what they were doing last season. It's really strange. Uh, the other thing about Berger is he had a really poor bowl game performance against Wake Forest, and that just looks terrible. Uh, the other thing you can't help but notice as you look through the play-by-play is all the back-breaking turnovers and horribly timed holding penalties that, like, really hurt Wisconsin. Berger would rip off a 20-yard run and it gets called back, or two plays later there's a pick. It's going to be really interesting to see who emerges at running back this year. They lose Nikia Watson, they lose Garrett Groshek, but in addition to Berger, they get some of the really good-looking freshmen, and they also get Ches Malusi, a transfer from Clemson, who could make some noise. Uh, regardless, wh- like whatever you think about Wisconsin, whatever the situation on O-line, like they almost have to be better than they were last year, especially running the ball. Um, the only loss on that O-line was that, was that left tackle, 
like from a from a starting perspective. So they should get better run blocking in 2020. They should have increased experience. Uh, wide receiver is extremely uninspiring and hasn't changed at all from last season. Um, Jake Ferguson's back at tight end. He's probably the best weapon on the team. Maybe the best tight end in the West. Uh, Danny Davis is their best overall wideout. He only played two games last year, and then Kendrick Pryor uh, was you know, the second leading wideout coming into last season. And, and he was also banged up. He played in like the first two games, which they won. Both guys played in the first two games, which they won easily. And then you didn't see them the rest of the season. Uh, Jack Dunn is a guy who was not tabbed as a starter in most magazines going into 2021, but he's, he's the best wide receiver they had statistically last year. Uh, and he's pretty good underneath in that slot role. But I think what they're really missing is that awesome downfield threat. Um, you think about uh, Jared Aberderis or some of the other you know guys that they've had in the past. They don't they don't have that player that can go downfield. I mean, when Davis and Pryor were there two seasons ago, they were strong, right? Um, but like I don't know. We'll we'll just have to see. I mean, Wisconsin's never never been a wide receiver school. You know, it's it's never been their strength on offense, and they you know, leverage decent performers there based on the strength of the O-line in the running game. So we'll just have to see if if a better O-line flips the script there this year. Now, I mentioned I mentioned those two games at the beginning of the year where they had Davis and Pryor and they looked really good on, on offense. You know, you could look at that and you could apply that to Graham Mertz. And you could say, wow, when he had his top two wideouts, he put up crazy numbers, 40-plus on Illinois and Michigan. But here's the thing, against Michigan, he really wasn't good. 55% completion, he had two touchdowns, but only 127 yards. He, he improved his accuracy against Wake Forest and Minnesota. That he, I just want to step in and say, too, that those numbers, if those were his numbers against Michigan, then that's the best Michigan did last season. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much, right? I, I mean, Tanner Morgan did better in week one, right? Um, and they got blown out by Michigan. So, I like... He improved his accuracy, you know, in games later on, but he only threw for 130 yards uh, in against Wake and Minnesota. Um, I mean, I, you know, Wisconsin didn't really need to do a lot in those games. They 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 ran all over Mini and, and Wake threw four picks. But the biggest red flag on Mertz was how much he struggled going downfield. He was downright bad against us, and outside of the Illinois game, his his yards per attempt were abysmal. He threw short a lot, checked down a lot. I mean, we're talking about like sub six yards an attempt in in a number of these games. I think his worst one maybe against Iowa was 4.4 yards per attempt. I mean, that's horrific, Uh, especially for a team that's supposed to be like big play, play action off off of a strong running game. So, I mean, the big question for this next year is if he can truly keep his eyes up and downfield. The O-line struggled in pass pro last year, so that was certainly part of it, especially on early downs or in short yardage. But now they have to replace their awesome left tackle again. Now they get to do it with this highly rated freshman in Logan Brown, but still, it does not take much imagination to see Mertz getting squirrely again back there and kind of losing patience and losing the plot. I mean, you don't have to look much further than than, uh, a couple states west to see a situation where a really good quarterback struggles to, um, to manage the pocket when he gets under pressure. Um, so at the end of the day, like this offense should be able to do the more typical Wisconsin things against next year, uh, should be able to do the more typical Wisconsin things again next year. Uh, assuming they can be more disciplined, you know, cut down on the penalties, assuming Mertz could take better care of the football. But if the offensive line doesn't improve like a lot and Mertz continues to fluctuate to me, that opens up the West 
door just a crack despite that awesome defense. Going through their schedule, um, there, there's something that kind of jumps out at me, and uh, I'll just run through that and see if you guys can pick up on this. Uh, they open up the season at home against Penn State and Eastern Michigan. They get a bye week before playing Notre Dame at Soldier Field. Uh, they're home for Michigan at Illinois, home for Army at Purdue, home for Iowa at Rutgers, home for Northwestern and Nebraska, and at Minnesota. All their big games are either at home or at Soldier Field. Right. Their, ro- their yeah. road slate is cake. Yep. It's it's super helpful for them because their schedule, um, you know, you can look and it's like on one hand, there are eight teams on Wisconsin's schedule they should flatten. And that is the group that is not Northwestern, Iowa, Notre Dame, and Penn State. And yes, that includes Michigan. Um, they should flatten those other eight teams. Um, but boy, oh boy. That you know, right off the bat, that Penn State game, getting it in Camp Randall, and we talked about this when we talked about the Penn State preview, that is huge for them. It's a huge deal. Camp Randall is going to be an absolute madhouse for that game. Um, and it's a big deal because, you know, it it's quite possible that by the end of the season, we may find out that Penn State has the second best defense in the Big Ten. But they have to kind of gel and figure some things out. Wisconsin doesn't have to figure anything out. But man... You listen to everything Scuzz said, and I mean, like, if if you're our listeners, like, you should be listening with ears wide open because, man, like, I mean, Scuzz, like, I'm listening to that, and I'm like, there's a recipe there where they can only run the ball, and maybe not dominantly, and then they're going to play the teams that defend the ball, the run really well. Penn State, Notre Dame, Iowa, and Northwestern. I mean, here's the thing. If they're able to run the ball really well, they're going to be able to find, you know, decent matchups downfield off of play action. But if they only run the ball like moderately well, I think that I think that is cause for concern because then, you know, right. Like you can get pressure on Mertz. So third down, you can get pressure on Mertz and and he's not proven that he can handle that yet. Right. Right. And I think it's like the, I think the, right, and that's the thing. Like, I, I think about that and I'm like, look, I'm not saying Graham Birch is not a good quarterback, but it just seems like you look in, and like, as Scuzz kind of laid it out, there's the tendency to think, well, Mertz just didn't perform as a freshman. And it's like, he kind of didn't have pieces around him last year. And that was kind of a contributing factor. And I kind of, I'm adding all this up. And again, it's like, Again, you look at raw talent, ability to run the ball and having the best defense in the conference puts them so far ahead of most of the teams in the Big Ten this year that they really will flatten a massive percentage of their schedule. But it's funny, like specifically thinking about our matchup with them, but then from Wisconsin's perspective, kind of the big four on their schedule, Northwestern, Iowa, Penn State and Notre Dame. And I feel like turnovers are going to be a massive factor in those games. I mean, like turnovers the Wisconsin defense forces ultimately, I think, are, are going to be a big deal. And, and you know, like you said, Scuzz, like maybe that true freshman, you know, that they have at left tackle, maybe he steps in and it just clicks like it did with Skaronsky with us, right? And that the yeah, line... Yeah, he's, get... he's, he's a mega recruit, so that's possible. Right. Um, at the same time, like, so there's the rest of the line is like four other juniors, 
that did not look good last year. I mean, you, like you assume that they're going to get better. You assume that Wisconsin's going to develop, then they're going to have that ten-year, year, multi-year starters now, et cetera. But like, this is this is one of those like, <laughs> you know, conundrums. Until you actually see it, you just you just don't know how to project it. Right, and it's it's just one of those things because it's like there seem to be so many years like this with Wisconsin where you're like, look, I mean, like this team is going to play some teams where they're going to win like 45 nothing. Like, I mean, like in Illinois, I mean, heavens, like 50 nothing. Like, I mean, there are a bunch of teams on their schedule, like Rutgers, like Minnesota, Nebraska. Like, Wisconsin's probably going to flatten these teams. But, like, Iowa and Northwestern are built to beat this team at this thing. And like Scuzz says, it doesn't sound well, like and, a murder. and that ain't that ain't that ain't no accident, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it doesn't sound like this is like the the murderer's row of offensive lines that we've seen from Wisconsin in the past. Now, with that said, again, this is a defense that's going to be in the conversation for best defense in the country. But I think when we think of Wisconsin Northwestern games, like you know. If we beat them 17 to 10 or something like that, it's worth just as much as it, you know, and we're all familiar with that recipe. Um, but I just, I'm looking and I'm like, look, the bottom line is you don't want there to be a situation where we lose because of some sort of interception or something where, you know, we didn't play the long game. We got in some long yardage situation and we forced something into the teeth of that defense and either, you know, quarterback got hit as he was throwing or we threw a ball into the secondary and it was picked off you know and something like that blew the game wide open um but if we avoid that kind of thing and we certainly have in the past um i certainly see a recipe for beating this team which is is saying something because you know there is the reverse possibility if wisconsin finds it on the offensive line and Merce does improve and everything like you know the, the ceiling for this team is certainly best team in the big 10 like it really is what makes me nervous about uh, kind of where they sit on our schedule is the fact that we get them the week after playing Iowa. So, you know, hard-nosed, rough in the trenches, you know, that that's a body blow game. And then to have to go to Camp Randall uh, right after playing Iowa. Uh, Wisconsin is playing Rutgers the week before I us. mean, b- body clocks? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. It's I mean, it's, sure. It's funny, though, because, you know, for people who know and are not, like, drinking, say, the Minnesota Kool-Aid or whatever else, like, between October 30th and November 13th, it's just one big round robin for, you know, almost certainly the three best teams in the West. And that's going to be, you know, pretty fascinating to see. And it's like Wisconsin's – that Penn State game for them off the top is huge. And then, of course, the Notre Dame game is a huge matchup. But just like when we played Notre Dame, you know, two years ago, like or three years ago, it's just not the you know the stakes aren't as high. But ultimately, you know, there there's no team, with the exception of potentially Ohio State, assuming that things click for them offensively, that's gonna look as good against the bad teams on their schedule as Wisconsin is. <laughs> um, there. There's a list of teams on their schedule that I don't know how they score points against Wisconsin. Um, but, but yeah, you know, it's like, you know how it's going to be. We're, you know, us getting over 10 points against Wisconsin is going to be a tall order. And that's with us bringing the very best of, of what we have against them. But that doesn't mean we can't win. 
um, there, there's a recipe for it. And if we shut down Wisconsin's run game and Mertz can't find something else, you know, it's there. Do you guys feel like Christ has done a better job than Bielema? 100%. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I, yeah, no, I mean, Bielema did great there, but I feel like Christ, year in and year out, I mean, this team should be at the top of the uh, the conference, or the, at least the top of the division. I mean, we've been trading you know, Big Ten West championships with them the past three years, four years even. And, you know, it, it's not even like, will they have it back? It, it feels like they have entered the uh, reload, not rebuild phase of being really, really good. I Paul Christ hired Jim Leonard. And to me, I'm like, they're point to me, point, point a better coordinator hire out to me in the nation in the past five to 10 years. I mean, just like that's he's Brent Venables is the only guy I can point to and be like, that's a better defensive coordinator than Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard has no business not being a head coach in college football right now. Um, and he's still the defensive coordinator for Wisconsin. And um, they are absolutely turning guys out. I mean, it's like you, you can look at a guy like Sanborn and again, it's like, there's kind of the, the subtext of that is like you can measure Northwestern against that and you can look at the way like Mac Uline, for example, like he knew exactly what he would have been had he gone to Wisconsin. He'd be Jack Sanborn and he went to Northwestern instead. So, I mean, I almost like it speaks so highly of our profile relative to them that we've risen up. But yeah, I mean, you can't you can't hate anything about what Chris has done. He's, you know. He inherited a fair amount, but he's done an awesome job. Yeah, I um, I tend to agree. I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to parse his record. So 56 and 19 for Christ over seven years at Wisconsin. Um, Bielema was 68 and 24. I don't know how that math works out, but um, maybe because last year was a short year, but. Uh, I don't know. I look at like Wisconsin won the the West or won the conference twice. Well, maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't win the, the conference overall. But went to the, went to three Rose Bowls the last three years. Well, rid- riddle me, time. riddle me this, guys. Is it Paul Christ's fault that Northwestern's so damn good right now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we beat we beat Bielema basically every other year. So yeah, like that's fair, that's fair. that's been a constant between the two of them, but it is like I like when I look at Bielema's results. So take twenty twenty off the board, but ten and four, eight and five, thirteen and one, eleven and three. That thirteen and one year in twenty seventeen. I mean, they went to the Orange Bowl. You know, I guess they went to the, the to the Rose Bowl in twenty nineteen. But I like I don't feel like they've had as many high end finishes, and and maybe maybe it's just you know. Um, anti-recency bias because now that i look at like the coaches and the ap uh wisconsin finished seventh in the ap twice and 10th once under bielema and here under christ they finished eighth sixth and eleventh so i mean that feels pretty comparable like part of the reason i wanted to ask this question is i was looking at you know the incoming recruits and and chris just continues to recruit the shit out of it um at wisconsin he's got two no two more just insane offensive linemen in terms of recruiting pedigree coming in next year. Like not just, not just the Wisconsin Gouda built farm boys, right. That Wisconsin always has, but like national profile, high end 
talent. Th- three of them coming in on O line. All of them are already six foot seven or or, or higher. Good lord. Um, he's it's got. Fun. There's another. There, there's another Sanborn. Brian Sanborn is a freshman linebacker on the team this year. What's um, funny is what's funny is what Wisconsin needs is a five star wide receiver. One five star yeah. <laughs> wide receiver. If they had yeah, that guy, I don't know how truth. they can't sell that just to be like, look. I know you're all super excited about the spread. I know we play one to two receivers on standard downs, but like, come start for four years <laughs> and take that's the such top a, off the defense. That's such a good point. That's such a good point. Well, and that's like maybe that's where, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but Aberderis is the only name I can think of. But I know there were other guys in that Bielema era that 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 played that role. Um, I guess by the same token, like. Russell Wilson is a guy that fell into Bielema's lap. So, you know, you don't want to give him too much credit for that one season. So I, I don't know. It's just, it's just an interesting perspective. Not that Chris is in any danger of anything, but it does feel like, and maybe it's because of the structure of the big 10 now and the dominance of Ohio state that they're just not quite in that. Well, you know, the other thing that's, that's worth mentioning because you mentioned Ohio state is if you're gambling and you're following the odds makers, right? Um, you're, you know, Vegas is going to tell you that Wisconsin and Ohio State are meeting in the Big Ten championship game. And the one thing Ohio State sucks at, I don't know that Wisconsin can attack. And that's the pass game. And that's going to be a yeah, weird I, thing. Yeah, they don't have the receivers to go up against the Buckeyes right. in that way. And, and that's the thing is like Ohio State can stop you against the run. Like that's not going to be Ohio State's issue. So... There, there is kind of a handcuff, and you know, as with that said, like of the schedules we've looked at in the team previews so far, Wisconsin's on the short list of teams that like their ceiling on this schedule is twelve and zero. Like they can win all twelve of these games. I don't think they will, but they, but they can. Um, and that Penn State game off the top is that's you know, buckle your seatbelts. Like that is such a huge game. The winner of that game, you know, depending on how it looks, could look like the best team in the Big Ten coming out of that game. So um, that's going to be such an interesting psychological evaluation of Mertz, too. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, he looked amazing against against um, Illinois last year. Right. Like you said, like you said. Yeah. And then like people look at the Michigan score and attribute it to him. It's not, as I mentioned. Right. He was terrible and, and he has to start out against that defense and then you know, and then Notre in a, in Dame a show me year right exactly and it's like it's right it's the exact opposite right two of their first three games are going to be against awesome defenses in Penn State and Notre Dame and it's like right you're going to find out what Mertz has in the in the tank really quickly but with that said I mean it's like Wisconsin could start the season one and two and still get their act together, run the table, go ten and two, and be playing for the conference championship. Like, I mean, it's like they're they're that kind of team. But yeah, well, they're well. And let's be clear: like neither Penn State nor Notre Dame's got like some gangbusters Alabama offense that is gonna right. you know 
do anything to this Wisconsin D. I mean, those yeah. are going to be oh, tight with, affairs regardless with, of how poorly Mertz plays unless Jack, he throws a bunch of pick sixes. You mean Jack Cohn isn't going to bring his intimate knowledge of that Badger defense? Uh, to well, that, 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 that is an interesting that is an interesting wrinkle because Jack Cohn starting against his <laughs> yeah, former Jack, team Jack, has like Jack, all the Jack feels, right? gonna start, They're like, Jack Cohn, what's the intel? And he's going to be like, they're friggin' awesome. That's my intel. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's going to be like, guys, just throw Gouda on the field before the downs. <laughs> He's going to be like, they're going to be like, Jack, tell us about him. And he's going to be like, I don't want to play. That's what I have to tell you. <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, I actually think he's got some moxie. I think um, that'll be fascinating. I haven't done any reading on Notre Dame yet going into this year, but that is um, that is such like a marquee game given the setting and the fan bases, you know, like – which team is going to have more fans there? I'd love to it, know. It's a real toss-up. Probably be 50-50, right? Probably. I would love to know how many times in a non – let's see, how do we say this? A non-bowl game or a non-championship game have two teams played in a state that neither of them are in, Right. Like, that's just kind of funny to me. Like, I'm like, there's the Wisconsin and Notre Dame are going to be playing in Illinois. Um, and well, yeah, I, I, I attended an LSU Oregon game in. Oh, uh, yeah, at Arlington, right? In Dallas. Yeah, that's Arlington right. does it all the time. And so does the, um, the Superdome in Georgia, right? Oh, that's yeah, true. Yeah, no, they, they have like the, those preseason, like, or early season games, the orlando and, and atlanta and yeah that's arlington we, uh, and mid and mid season, mid season too we, when we were in dallas we went to a notre dame arizona state game in the in october oh there we go well, i stand very corrected. weird stand correct but, but you but you can pretty much blame notre dame probably for like a third of these type of games oh for right? sure 100 yeah, percent Say say the guys who are uh, who are actively thinking about Ireland against Nebraska next fall. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, But I would say kind of summing this up from a Northwestern perspective um, that, you know, nothing's different this season. Like the the road, our road to the West Championship goes through Wisconsin like ain't nothing changed. And the fact that that game is at Camp Randall definitely it, it makes it harder. You know, we. We do go into Camp Randall and win. I mean, we we have done it in the past. We will continue to do it. But it, it you know, a full stadium, uh, jumping around that place can that place is tough. It is hard to go into Camp Randall and, and come out with a W. Home yeah. team in the Northwestern Wisconsin series is six and two in the last uh, eight games, including four straight wins for the home team. I uh, I'm gonna say they go ten and two. I'm gonna say they split. The Penn State Notre Dame, they they win one of those and they lose one of those, and they win everything else except for that home loss to the Wildcats on November thirteenth. That's where I'm going. Ten and two. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's uh, ten and two is absolutely reasonable. Ten and two, nine and three, maybe. Yeah, you know, if they lose a game, they shouldn't. Um, you know, which is entirely possible, but. Uh, you know, I, not that I think that Bielema and, and the Illini are going to, you know, trip them up. But weird things can happen at, at Memorial Stadium in Champaign from time to time. Illinois does tend to beat a team they shouldn't. And wow, knows? they've lost the last four times they've played Penn State. That's really? Wow, that's interesting. I mean, that game is going to be 
absolute. I mean, again, like watch that game. That is going to be a phenomenal game. Um, and what's, what's awesome is our game is Friday night, so right? we have that Saturday yep. to play. Exactly. Well, let's go ahead and close the door on the Badgers. Um, head, to our, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlawpirates. And email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.